This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Gen Z Money. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by John Pigeon from Solvair Wealth and My Millennial Property. Thanks so much for joining us, John. Pleasure. Yeah, good to be here. So this week we were wanting to ask you a few questions about the government grants that are available to first home buyers. It can be pretty confusing and overwhelming, so I just wanted to really break that down um, into three separate things. So the first thing is the first homeowners grant, then we've got the home builders grant and the first home loan deposit scheme. So the first thing I wanted to ask about is the first homeowners stamp duty concessions. Could you demystify a little bit about what that actually is? Yeah, sure. So basically what's happening is, um, and this has been going on before the, I suppose, COVID-19 came along, but as a first homeowner, it's it's an incentive to get into the market for the first time. Um, stamp duty is sometimes an obstacle. It, it can be anywhere between 2 to 4% of purchase price. So uh, the government have said, look, we'll give you a, a stamp duty concession depending on uh, what purchase price you're, you're going to um, come in at and also what state you're living in. So for example, in New South Wales, if you purchase a property under 650000 um, you won't pay any stamp duty, but then there's concessions up to 800000 and that can be adjusted at any one time, but at the present, um, that's how it stands. Um, and then you've got anomalies like Northern Territory where you've got stamp duty concessions up to $18,601. I don't know how they came up with that figure, but <laughs> um, yeah, it varies based on the state that you're in. So, so definitely check that in your state. Absolutely. And when you hear people refer to a first homeowner's grant, is that generally what we're talking about? Yeah, well, there's grants and concessions, and I think people get confused with the two. Um, so I like to call it as a as a uh, concession. That's your stamp duty or transfer duty concession, um, and then you've got first home grants. Now, the first home grants are generally for uh, new builds only, and and they've come in since COVID-19 in the majority. Um, so there's government grants, and then there's state grants in relation to that. Okay. So with the stamp duty concessions, I know that a common question that I see people ask is, I'm a first home owner, but my partner isn't, and we've been in a long-term relationship. How does that affect affect your eligibility for those concessions? Yes. Good question. It, it, it affects it dramatically. If, um, if you're essentially in a de facto or, or have been living with someone, and again, the criteria changes, but um, essentially if you've been living with them for some time and that, that person's already purchased and take advantage of the first homeowner grants or concessions, then generally speaking, that, that person won't be eligible. And what are some of the requirements? So you mentioned that it's generally new builds. I remember hearing at one stage that you could access those concessions if you had a you were buying a property that was under 12 months old. Is that still true? Yeah, so yeah, you're right. Generally it's a it's a new build, so you're buying something that hasn't yet been constructed. Uh, but however, again there's anomalies where if if the house actually hasn't been lived in, uh, or it's less than 12 months old, then then you can also qualify as well. Um, so yeah, there's um, 
There's definitely been some in, uh, awesome incentives over the last 12 months in relation to, to new home builds. And, and I suppose from my end, the, the biggest question I get is, is should I take advantage of that for investment purposes, um, knowing that they'll live in it, um, qualify themselves um, and in a lot of states, live in it for the first six months of the first 12 months um, or the whole 12 months and then they'll turn it into investment property. But first and foremost, they've, we've got to be asking, is it a good property purchase to begin with? Am I buying land in the right location? Um, am I paying the right amount for the build with the right inclusions? All, all those things taken into account. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine it can be you know, quite exciting knowing that you're going to be getting some help in your house purchase that you just want to get in there and get something as soon as possible, but you could actually be shooting yourself in the foot by doing that, not getting a good property. So let's talk separately about the Home Builders Grant. So I believe that's a more new grant that's available. Yeah, so so this is definitely more um, COVID related where the, the government in 2020, we're giving um, $25,000 for any new builds that took place. Um, there was a, a criteria that you had to follow around that. You had to sign a contract, a bill contract by uh, December 31, 2020, and then building had to commence within three months of um, signing that contract. So there were some quite tight um timeframes around that. Um, that's since been extended because of COVID um, case continuation of the of the outbreak. So what's happening at, as we speak at recording is, is 15,000 is now the offerings. Uh, contracts need to be signed by the end of March, 31st of March. Uh, and then same thing, the build needs to commence within three months of um, signing that contract. Is that one specifically for first home buyers or is, that, or is that for anyone who's looking to build or make renovations on their property? Yeah, so the it is open to anyone. The renovations uh, was also 25. Uh, the, the renovation side of things, we had to spend, I think, a maximum, uh, a minimum of 150, 175,000 on the on the actual renovation itself. So it wasn't just a small uh, little alfresco that we we're going to put up. It was something quite substantial. So yep. yeah, that that was open to anyone, generally speaking. So and and that's a government um, national grant, um, which is very different from some of the state grants. So we had examples where in Victoria there were there were clients of ours getting the twenty five uh, national grant. They were getting a twenty k. Um, state first home builders grant and they weren't paying any stamp duty. So essentially they were saving themselves about 65000 They could also take advantage of the first home loan deposit scheme, which we'll talk about in a moment, I suggest. But um, yeah, that, that was uh, all the stars were definitely aligning for them this time, yeah. well, not maybe this time last year, but yeah, definitely halfway through last year, uh, knowing that they're also buying in a in a good market and that they could live in for 12 months and then potentially rent out. Yeah, that's amazing. So just to clarify, does that have to be for a property that you live in or can it be for your investment property as well? No, they need to live in it, generally speaking. Every state has different rules and regulations around their own state grants, but the government grant, you, you do need to live in it for, for the requirement of that uh, 
that grant for that first 12 months. Awesome. And then the third one is the first home loan deposit scheme. Now, I know that this is something that's in high demand um, and that there's limited places and that it's also quite confusing to a lot of people. So first of all, let's talk about what do you actually get from the first home loan deposit scheme? Is the government giving you money or is it another way of doing it? Yeah, it is a common one and and many queries around it. Um, As always, these things aren't really explained clearly at the beginning and and you have to go and fish for this information and to find it is often difficult as well, uh, me included. (laughs) Generally speaking, if you you put down less than a 20% deposit on a property, you do have to pay what's called lender's mortgage insurance or LMI as you may have heard it. It's basically the bank's way of saying, well, you're lending more than 80% office on, on the value of the home. So we're just going to take out an insurance policy uh, on the fact that if you default, we're going to be covered. So it doesn't actually cover the homeowner themselves. It covers and protects the banks, but you pay the premium. Now, the first home loan um, or low deposit scheme is basically saying – Um, This time around, you can put in as little as a 5% deposit. You need to show us that you've got 5% of genuine savings or cash there ready to go. Um, And we'll uh, waive the lender's mortgage insurance or or the government are basically saying we'll cover the policy um, amount that would be charged on that that you would normally be paying and you can get yourself into into a property with as little as a 5% deposit, which is uh, really quite attractive. So... You're right, there's only 10,000 spots. Um, there was another 10,000 that have opened up uh, this year as well. So not sure how that's tracking as to whether that's all been taken up or not. But um, yeah, generally not all lenders have offered them, but uh, but that's there available for first time owners. So how does that work? Because I've heard that different banks have different spots available. So does the government give different lenders um, a number of spots for that scheme? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I don't actually 100% know the answers to how, what percentage, what lenders have been given. Uh, but generally speaking, the big four had a priority around it and, and then the rest were dwindled off to other second tier lenders. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure how, it, it, it's definitely a case of first in, best dressed. And you do need to, for anyone out there that is looking to apply, you do need to make sure that you've got your pre-approval finance in order and that you indeed find something that you're going to buy. If, if, you get, if you're successful in getting the scheme um, approved for you and you don't find something for, for over three months, it's going to lapse and you'll lose that um, approval. Well, in that case, what makes you a good candidate for the first home loan deposit scheme? What are some of the things that make you eligible? Yeah, so you need to be 18. So uh, anyone under that's not eligible. You need to, uh, you, you can't be earning more than $125,000 a year gross gross salary as a single. And as a couple, it's uh, the, the cap on it is 200000 So if you're earning more than that, you don't qualify. So it is really geared towards, I suppose, low to middle income earners, dare I say it. So that that's the incentive is to get them into the game. Hopefully they've saved their five percent and they're away. So generally speaking, if they if they earn under that amount, they're over eighteen. Um, they've got five percent good quality savings or or cash sitting around, and and then they generally know what they're going to buy. They they can get themselves in. 
So for some of the clients that you've worked with who are looking to get into these schemes, what are some of the things that might have made them a less attractive candidate for any of these grants or schemes? So I think if they haven't got their ducks in a row, they they could get caught out. And, and the example I gave before about the low deposit scheme, you've really got to know uh, what you want and, and know that your strategy is going to be firm. Now, when I say strategy, it's quite a a broad term, but for the for the first homeowners grant, and I actually had a call last week with uh, with someone that reached out in the eleventh hour, saying, "Look, I'm going to sign a build contract, but I'm not really sure if it's the right thing to do." But I saw there was money on the table, and and it was too attractive. Um, but now I've got the jitters, and and I need some um, confirmation that it's going to be a good move. So. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that going around because they see the dollars flashed in front of the eyes and 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 get all excited about that. Um, you've really got to understand. All right, if I'm going to to buy some land and then build a house, a have I done that before? And b if I haven't, uh, what what's the process? What have I got drawdown pro, um, progress payments throughout? Uh, how much holding cost are there going to be until it's built? Um, upon completion, what's it going to be valued at? What's the comparable sales around the area? Um, there's all these unknowns that a lot of, especially first homeowners, um, really don't think about. And no disrespect, but they just haven't had the experience. So they've they've really got to do their research. Not only respect to the schemes and the and the concessions, but generally the they're buying a four hundred, five hundred, sometimes more thousand dollar asset, um, but they're they're jumping in very quickly. So, look, it is coming towards the end of those major concessions. The end of March is probably the main one for the builders' uh, grants. Um, the the stamp duty concessions they will continue. Um, that the low deposit scheme may also come to an end once the 10,000 are exhausted. So we're, we're probably talking on the back end of this, but uh, generally speaking, the, the concessions going forward for stamp duty is, is a big one, but we can probably do another podcast on this, and that's the one between stamp duty and, uh, and land tax that's, um, that's bandied around at the moment as to is stamp duty going to continue versus uh, paying land tax on an annual basis? So, yeah, we may cover that on another day. Yeah, that'd be super interesting. And just on a similar vein to that, are there any downsides that you see to using any of these schemes? Are there any cases in which it might not be best to use these? Yeah, we've had a number of scenarios where um, the clients of ours have sat down with me and discussed the pros and cons of using it. And... It has, majority of those conversations have come from people living in Sydney and Melbourne where the the concessions just didn't fit their criteria. And what I mean by that is, um, take take New South Wales, for example, the, the, the stamp duty concessions, well, you pay zero stamp duty up to a 650k purchase. So for those listening in Sydney right now, you would know that for, for 650,000, you're not getting a lot of property you might be getting a one-bedroom unit. So they're saying to me, look, John, what do you think? I just don't want a one-bedroom unit just for the sake of not paying stamp duty. Uh, what would you do? So that's when we strategize a bit more intensely to be able to say, right, if we're going to spend 650 or 500 or 450 anywhere around the country, where would we put it? And that's where we 
we, we get a firm strategy that says, well, no, we're not going to use the first homeowner's grants or concessions. We're just going to invest for the long term, knowing that it's a, a better product for, for their outcome. Awesome. Well, I think that's most of the questions that we have for today. Um, I think we're going to do a couple more episodes as a part of this first homeowner's um, mini series. And one of the things we're going to talk about as well that I didn't include in here today is the parental guarantee. So if anyone's listening and wants to know a little bit more about that, keep an eye out because we'll definitely do another episode on that. John, you actually do something for My Millennial Money listeners, which is quite unique. And those are the clarity calls. Could you explain a little bit about what they are? Yeah, sure, Azaria. Basically, they're they're up to a one hour call for, for someone that might have immediate roadblocks or queries or concerns that they need to to overcome uh, that that's stopping them from basically moving forward they, they don't need um, too much more than that or, or they may need more than that but they don't realize at the time um, but it, it's just basically any um, queries or concerns for anyone relating to finance cash flow property um, buying their own home investment strategies um, basically they've got up to an hour of my time to to ask as many questions as they want and and get as many answers as they want um, they fill in a pre-app form that gives me a brief to begin with so we can we can get the best value out of that time that that I spend with them so yeah we've been doing those for probably the last two years now to be honest so um, yeah it's it's really I suppose rewarding to be able to help people in just such a, a short time frame uh, t- for, for them to be able to move on um, comf- comfortably and confidently with their life and, and sometimes it's just a sounding board as well. They're actually on the right track but they just wanted someone that's outside of their ecosystem that's not their family or their friends because as you know when, we, when it comes to property everyone's, everyone's an expert aren't they? <laughs> yeah exactly that's it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just good to have that peace of mind before you go into such a huge, probably biggest of your life purchase. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're keen to chat with someone about your situation, head to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help and we can connect you. Uh, But thank you so much, John, for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to our future episodes. Appreciate it, Zara. Glad to be on and um, yeah, thanks. Thanks again. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.